What's up, y'all? This is Whatever Works with Jasmine McDonald. It's a podcast about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, wellness, illness, and the human condition. You might hear a little news, comedy, some true crime sprinkled in. It's all about the accoutrement that comes along with being on this rock, flying 67,000 miles per hour around the sun, and somehow trying to make sense of it all. It's an open concept because what I need changes all the time. And I could bet that's the same for you. So this podcast is about whatever works, really. This world can be a scary place, but I believe that everyone is trying the best they can, even if that best is discerningly shitty. So I created whatever works to try to get the most out of my life, and I hope it adds to yours. Every week, we'll talk to an awesome guest, hopefully learn a little something, and then meditate for five minutes at the end. Feel free to skip this, but I highly recommend it. Whatever Works is produced by me, the CEO of Lifted Media Group, distributed by Anchor. If you like this podcast, please follow, like, share, and review. Whatever Works is sponsored by Bestie. What's Bestie? Well, listen, we all got to eat. And I know it's super daunting and overwhelming to pick when to eat, what to eat, and it all seems too much. That's why I use Bestie. Bestie is a brand new tech startup that focuses on positive experiences. This is so cool because honestly, I hate when I'm looking for a new place to try for dinner and all I get are ads and chain restaurants and they have no personality. It's available on Apple and Android and super easy to use. Check them out on bestie.us. That's B-E-S-T-I dot U-S. And now without further ado, this is Whatever Works. Hi, I'm Becky Daly. Hi, Becky. Today we got Becky Daly on. She's an awesome lady, overall awesome human being. Thank you. <laughs> she's a real estate agent. She's a mom. She's she's lived a couple different places, um, and we're gonna hear a little bit about her story today. The focus of this story um, is healing and resiliency and growth and light after tremendous loss and darkness. So. Becky, I, I, I want to get into a little bit of your about your background and then um, we can, you know, get into the real thick of it. So um, do you want to just kind of start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, I'll admit to my age. I'm 57. I was born in 1965 in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. It's a small little town on Lake Erie. Um, I was born um, with an, I have an older sister who's seven years older than me I um, my parents got divorced when I was seven years old um, do you remember that yes I do I remember a lot of it because it was um, it was very traumatic as it is divorce is traumatic it is tra traumatic for kids families um, so I grew up I went to a Lutheran church um, I did public schooling. My mother was a public school teacher. She taught third grade until she went into being a re reading specialist. Um, my father, when they got divorced, moved to an apartment for a little bit. So I did get to see him here and there when I was younger. Um, I had a Hold on, hold on. So, sorry to cut you off. When you were experiencing that divorce time, what did that mean for you as a seven-year-old child? Like, what what beliefs did you have about yourself in the family unit when that happened? 
I think as kids, you know, uh, you just don't understand what's going on, but it was also the 70s, and I do remember embarrassment. Kids weren't, parents weren't divorced yet. Um, people stayed together. Uh, I know at our church, people weren't divorced. Um, I just felt different. I can remember feeling different, and I can remember feeling sad, also not knowing what to do with those emotions. Um, I remember I cut my finger, and I cried over my cut finger because I was too afraid to cry over what was going on. So mm. I felt like it had to be over something mm. instead of emotion. Just you being sad was not enough. It had to be some sort of event, even a minor cut. Well, I don't think things were explained then. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying then as in, who knows, I'm sure it still goes on now, but feelings and emotions just weren't a thing, especially for kids. It was, I, we weren't like, get in another room, you're, you know, you're seen but not heard. We weren't that generation, but we people were still not talking about mm -hmm. feelings and emotions yet. Yeah. There weren't therapists, really. I mean, it wasn't like that. Right. So So your dad moved to an apartment? Moved to an apartment. Mm -hmm. Did you see him a lot after that? I would see him on weekends, scheduled weekends. Um, like every other weekend? It was probably like that. Um, there was a lot of fighting. Um, my sister was 14 or 15, and... My dad, I just can remember a really big fight with my mom and dad and police were called because my mother asked him just to go. He kind of, he never really worked and he was sort of like he was his whole life. He really didn't accomplish too much. But, so she wanted him out of the house. So um, my sister was 14 and very introverted. And so mm -hmm. she... Um, were you introverted? No, I was extroverted and a lot different than her. So yeah, until he went away, he would leave to go to different states and he would tell me sometimes, but throughout my childhood, he would leave for two, three years at a time and I had no idea where he went. Mm. Yeah. And before he left, was it like no notice? Was it like, bye, I hate you all? Like, how did that go? Like, No, he was very loving and kind and that was a confusion. Because mm. he, I, when I had sleepovers with him, at one point he, he rented a million different places. At one point we lived, it was a, an old bar with a couple rooms, you know, down on, an outside rooms. Mm -hmm. And we, he rented like room 11 for a year. And the water was rust. It had to, you had to run that out before water came out. We, mm. It was just, we sat in the bar for my visits with him. Mm. Um, was he but, a big drinker? Yeah, he was an alcoholic, but he was so kind and nice. He wasn't, he was very loving and kind. That's mm -hmm. what the confusion was about because I didn't right. understand when you leave, where are you? And then that became, I started fantasizing more about uh, where he was. And somebody said he had a white van, so I used to, I just fantasized a lot. Mm -hmm. Would you like look for the white van and yes. pretend he I was saw coming a white for you? Van, I thought it might be his. Mm -hmm. I had, and that was, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th grade. So. Right. Mm -hmm. And even with an alcoholic parent, you, they're distant, even if they're not mean, right. there's a distance there. Oh, big distance. And I was taken to like, I was taken to women's houses and I'd have to meet these new girls, you mm. know what I mean? That weren't my friends and have a sleepover. And then I remember one time looking out the window and it was summer and there is a pool and he was naked swimming with a lady in the pool. Yeah. I didn't even know who this person was. Was it like a daytime naked no, night. It, it oh, was okay. night, but, but I would yeah, be yeah. just but, I mean, sleeping still. over some random person's house. Yeah. That happened all the time. Yeah. And you're like, there's my dad. Oh, my God. He's naked with some lady. Well, like, we yeah. went camping one time. One time he was in town, and we went, he took me camping, and these people made all this 
homemade wine. Now, starting in about eighth or ninth grade, when he knew I drank, he would just bring beer balls and Newport cigarettes for me and my friends. He loved it. Yeah, he didn't, he just had, he just, he didn't have parenting skills. He just, um, but then we went camping with these people and so we're drinking, I'm probably in ninth or 10th grade and it's a summer. And, uh, and I said, so how do you know my dad? And they're like, oh my gosh, we just met him in the bar two nights ago. He's so funny. Mm. And we're camping in the middle of these woods yeah. with these people that, just like yeah. That innately like. trusting whoever. It was funny, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. It was funny because no one did anything crazy. Right. Right. No, Other we, than drinking a lot. Like, it, it was right. funny because they weren't right. I didn't serial killers. Or, right. right. Uh, very fortunate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you lived with your mom most of the time. Your I sister did. struggled. My sister struggled. She was 14 and was given me to take care of from seven on. And I was a tattletale and, a, like, goofy yeah. kid. And so well, what you she, were acting out, too. I mean, you felt yeah, alone. I did. But mm -hmm. she, what she, her, what she did was she said, here, smoke this. So, I had to smoke pot. I'd eat Cocoa Krispies and go to bed so that I wouldn't tell on her. You were less yeah, so annoying, I bet. Less annoying, and then I couldn't tell because I had done it. That was her ah. thing. So that happened. Okay. And then it just started. It so you were how old at this point? Smoking seven. Weed. Smoking weed at seven. Mm -hmm. Okay. And about eight years old, um, we were sniffing glue, model cement glue. Shit. Smoking pot. And then my first blackout was, um, I was drinking, but my first big blackout on vodka was in sixth grade. Mm. Not to mention all the lead paint in the 70s and stuff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're blacking out in high school. Seventh grade. Elementary school. Okay. Yeah. Shit. I know. But um, That's early. And you obviously probably felt, how'd you feel? Like when, I mean, we all know what it feels like to be drunk and high, but was it like finally I have a parent that is around for me? Or like what, did it go that deep yet? Or... No, here's what happened. Like, what did the substances, how did it make you feel at that age? Well, <clears throat> I don't think I had a real choice. I mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're that age, first of all, you don't have a mom, and the parents know that. When I was, right. I, I, I'm pretty sure people weren't allowed to come in to my house and hang around. Um, Even with your mom? Yeah, because everyone knew my sister was there, and boys were, you know, you'd see the boys come in, you'd see the cigarette smoke in the backyard. I mean, there were people that were not allowed to hang around with me. Mm -hmm. And, um... So you're like different again, right? Like, yeah. Okay. I was, yeah. And then, so from that, you start finding the other kids that feel that way, right? So mm -hmm. you're with you're with the kids that are kind of low bottom, kind of kids. Right. Yeah. Right. Kids that could, they all quit, had quit school by sixteen, mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing. Okay. That's the crowd I was in. Okay. But because of my mom, I mean, I still took piano lessons. I still twirled baton. She always made sure that I had activities like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just always felt kind of like blessed because I I was there with those kids but I was also different in that group too because I was kind of like a half and half mm -hmm. I still went to school I still got good grades but I was with kids that were pretty bad yeah because so that, living that double life right I did early on. learning how to live a double life learning how to um, survive learning how to put on a mask and be somebody you're not um, when your insides are falling completely apart and you're learning how to cope with life. Mm. Um, in fourth grade, I had a best friend. Um, I went to her house because we had a science project. So I did meet her mother one time. She was very, very pregnant and, um, and that was it. Well, what happened was when she had the baby, Michelle, um, she had aneurysm and she died. 
Um, my mother used to bring my best friend over all the time on the weekends because he knew, she knew that she had two older sisters. Now they have this baby, and Clark, the dad, was working, golfing, that kind of thing. So she just thought she was doing a favor for, you know, me and this dad to have Cindy at my house. Mm -hmm. Well, he came over one night, and he had been drinking, and he said, let's go for ice cream. And we all went for ice cream, and they dropped... Cindy and I off at my house, and they didn't come home until 10 o'clock the next morning. Mm. So I had th they had this very sexual, very um, explosive kind of horrible, <laughs> hellacious relationship. Um, he had two older daughters. And um, Mary was a very bad alcoholic, even at a young age, and, very, and, and a very mean-spirited person. She used to trip people down the stairs. They used to pull me down on the floor, wipe my glasses, not let me up until I said I was a whore. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. So how old are you? That was fifth grade. Fuck. So you're 10. Fourth, fifth, and then sixth grade, <laughs> my mom and Clark get married. Yay. Yeah. So these are Clark's kids that are bullying you, like okay. harassing you. Right. So my sister, Sue, ran away to Florida. Okay. At how it, old? 18? Well, when she was 18, but she was still in high school. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really running away, even though everybody, my uncles and that all tried to stop her. Her boyfriend was down there. Now, he was the pot dealer in town. Okay. And so he moved down to Florida because my mom kind of knew that he was, and she was always claiming to call the police. Anyway, sure. So he left my sister. Narking on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's where we can't got have that. the pot. You know, that's where all the pot came in. Yeah, can't have that. And so, so he left. So she le he left, and then she Sue followed. Mm -hmm. And then my stepfather, Clark, his older sister, his older oldest daughter was also named Sue. They were the same age and mm -hmm. she moved to California. So I'm just left with Mary, the very worst, who is six years older than me. Cindy, who's now not my best friend. We're totally different people now. And the little girl, Michelle, yeah. who is a two year old. And my mother was her mother now. So is Mary, do you think Mary was like a sociopath? She still is. She still is. Yeah. There is a keg attached to her refrigerator. She is She's very pickled, but still alive somehow. Mm. It takes a long time to die from that, I think, from drinking. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but now Cindy's also a bad alcoholic, um, the one that was my friend. Yeah. Because she, they all blame my mother for everything, and it, it, it just was, it was pretty horrible. It was a horrible existence from 7th grade till 12th grade. Um, we lived in the same house. They built a house, and it was either a coffee mug flying across the room or my mother trying to kill herself in the garage with the cars on or drinking wine and all her pills or Clark throwing furniture through the front window or one time I came home and she had her wedding dress on, a candle in one hand, her will in the other hand, and she was going to commit suicide. It was just... It was just crazy. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, but I've learned a lot about human behavior now. And I yeah. I wouldn't have been as mean as I was. But I was really combative with my stepfather, so I'd go up against him. And uh, we fought. I was kicked out of the house like every other week. Mm -hmm. So I used to stay at friends' houses a lot. Well, you didn't deserve that. Hmm. I know. Oh, I know. No kid does. Nobody uh, does, yeah. Mm -mm. Makes you start wondering, like, and different Things, you know, we've all been through things that we don't deserve, right? Um, and and kind of what I was trying to portray, like, in the intro to this podcast, like, even if what you see is discerningly shitty, that's still the best that person has that day. Exactly. And it helps with 
um, healing and forgiveness. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. That's right. Mm -hmm. So how did you escape this existence? Well, you know, we get to 12th grade and I woke up one day. I was back at her house. It just went back and forth. Like, say my dad came in town for three months. Um, I would go live with him because I got kicked out. And then he would say, I'm sorry, honey, I can't have you. I've got to go to Arizona. He always had to go to some other state. So I would have to go back home. Um, I woke up before my senior year. I think it was at 11th grade summer. And she said, your uncles are coming. We're moving into our own place. So we did. We moved into an apartment. They did get a divorce. They didn't get a divorce. They still saw each other for 20 years of dating. Uh, weekends, either she, she paid or he had to pay the next week. It was just... A strange way to see a relationship but um, wow. I did well I went to Robert I went to a college um, I straightened up I uh, I had some friends now that were going to go to college and um, I didn't I still I always carried friends no matter who they were I, I was never a judging person um, but mm -hmm. I just had a new crowd yeah so I went to college yeah mm -hmm. fresh start mm. yeah well fresh start but I had her horrific what I didn't understand is I was very broken. I didn't know how broken. I would get blackout drunk at college. I would um, uh, just did a lot of bad, mean things to myself. I um, mm. I didn't have any skills. Had no had no skills. Had no real relationship skills. The what I thought I could pass um, in how I ha felt confident and that kind of thing that weren't wasn't true was really starting to fall apart for me in college for sure I made it through two years but by the skin of my teeth they say mm -hmm. I, I uh yeah I had a lot of bad drinking yeah bad drinking there skin of the teeth if you will yes mm. Mm -hmm. so you so did you finish college well I only went for two years like an associate yeah I got an associate I did get an associate's degree that's great yeah I did bachelor's degrees they don't even mean anything now well Right. Today. It's true. But I mean, I had such a hard time. I went to every single party. I never went to class. I mm -hmm. never could concentrate to sit down and study. Yeah. I only graduated because my parents would have killed me. Yeah. But I party like an animal. But it's not my story. It's yours. Well, yeah. I mean, I think most people, right? It's sure. Like, it's, it's years to Freedom. do Freedom. Right. But mine was Why always not? like crying. And t I would like run into a <laughs> professor's office and cry and like pass with a d because i cried and got instead of an f instead of an f mm. so like always a victim kind of running game on people quick yeah. oh i learned how to you learn sure. how to run game you're well, you were hanging out with like <laughs> trap kings and yeah, partying and, and yeah and then let's add in a few cocaine dealers for boyfriends and you know i learned a lot of things i was yeah. street savvy and I knew, to, I knew how to i knew how to fool yeah. I knew how to fool. That's good. Mm -hmm. I bet that helps today with real estate. What do you think? No, I genuinely love people, but I think I'm just, I'm a people person. Sure. I'm not a people pleaser as much anymore. I know how to do those things. You I had to gain no skills, today. tools. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have any. That's all. It was just not having any tools mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Maladjusted to life, as they say. Yeah, but I wouldn't trade my story for anything because it helps other people now. And that's what it's all about, you know. I work up a program that helps me with alcohol. And it teaches me that after you've learned all these wonderful things and you know how to, to help yourself, you help other people. And that's what it's all about. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Service is joy at the end of the day. 
It really is because it helps you too. It, it's sure. such a great feeling. It's like when you have kids and you, and you can help them and you watch them grow. And um, it's the same with watching your friends or people, strangers that you help. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. It's always, if every core is about love, understanding, forgiveness, it's all good. Yeah. I, and I mean that with religion, with anything you're doing. If that is the core, it's, I'm good with it. Love, understanding, and forgiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. For, uh, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, you know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So you said you had kids. I did. I had three mm-hmm. children. I was 25 years old. <clears throat> I was in an accounting two class, another class, night class. I was always attempting things. So I'm graduated. I'm bartending. I'm also working at a company and um, busy as a secretary, and, and I add on night school, and I'm drinking like nobody's business too mm-hmm. so um i meet this guy at night class he's from south africa he's here playing soccer um he doesn't deal cocaine we have a blast drinking and dancing yeah he's gonna leave if he doesn't get a green card so mm. we end up getting married and oh boy yeah it was and how old was he we're the same age okay. we we're 25 um but we didn't really even know each other, honestly. He yeah. played soccer. He didn't know I was still smoking cigarettes behind his back, but he would never agree to. The drinking thing was fine, but I was still mm-hmm. doing some kind, some cocaine here and there a little bit. But <laughs> I just... Just he, a little blow on, on occasion. Just, he, he, just a little. Yeah. When, he, when I really came forth and told him all the truth about myself, he said, I will never marry you. Oh, wow. Well, we had three children together, though. So. Right. Just a bump here and there. Mm-hmm. Just a little. Just I never ever did cocaine again after my firstborn though. Never That's did. great. So, yeah, never did any drugs really ever again. Okay. Yeah, but alcohol was my drug of choice, and it is a drug. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So you had how many? You had three children. I had three children. My mm-hmm. firstborn was ninety. My second was ninety-two, and my third was in ninety-four. And so, so right you away. were twenty-eight when you had three babies. Um. Back to back to back. 30. Okay. Every other year. Math is not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty trying because I worked a job, bartended, and Wayne was a, came here to play soccer, so he's getting his degree done, and he's going into what I thought would be a job with his degree, and he did not do that. He ran an indoor soccer, he he started a big soccer, um, big soccer uh, tournament that he was paid to do, not very much though. So Mm -hmm. we we were either living at my mom's basement, which gave me a ton of resentments, or we lived in our first HUD home. Um, What's that? It's a housing urban development. It's when a home should be condemned, but you can kind of buy it. Mm. And fix it up. Foreclosure sort of situation. Right. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was in um, swastikas were etched in the oh my woodwork. God. And yeah, it was beautiful. So it was like a meth it, we, den. Well, what, what fr- Before, obviously. It, yeah, it was uh, my friend, you know, like I told you, I was always still maintained my friendships with these guys that all had quit school at 16. And I ended up moving back into my old neighborhood. So one of the guys, I, I hired them all to do like tile work and. So you're back in Erie. I'm back, still in Erie. Yeah. Oh, we had never left, left. We didn't leave Erie until we were thirty. Okay. So, um, so we had the kids there, um, for some years. But uh, my one friend Scott said, Becky, I can. It takes a lot to gross me out. This house. He said he used to change the oil in the kitchen. 
Um, the dogs scratched. I mean, it, I can't even go into all the things this guy did to this house. He was mentally unstable. But it, at one point, was a really nice family. They sent me a card, one of the daughters once, and said, we have a very nice family. My brother's mentally ill, and I'm sorry about the house. And But anyway, so that was our first Damn. house. Yeah. Scary. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. And then we sold that, and we moved to Michigan because Wayne started at an indoor soccer facility, which also didn't pay very well again. Mm-hmm. So we were always battling money being you know not having enough relying on my mother who I had a lot of resentments towards to begin with and then I had to rely on her for help um it was increasing my insecurity and it was increasing my drinking Mm. like crazy but things that would happen um I would like have a huge blackout by myself in bushes behind houses in between houses I fell down once with a friend of mine and um broke her back and um, and Weston, my firstborn, was just a tiny baby, and you know these things would happen, and I would look towards getting some help, but I was in, enabled by my mom and even my husband that would say, "Oh my gosh, you just had the baby," or "Oh, you're under a lot of stress." So sure. I would just say, "Okay, I'm never going to do that again." Um, and mm. you know, it, just alcoholism was catching up to me all the time, but I was continuously running away from it. So. And it's like the pariah of having a wife or daughter in sort of some sort of treatment at the time, right? This the nineties. Right. Versus you actually getting some help. There wasn't time for me to get help. When yeah. Wayne, their dad worked sixty to ninety hour weeks. Um, I had a church behind us. I didn't have a second car, so we used to just ride bikes over there and I spent all my time choir, Sunday school. And, um, and then, of course, we could be at Soccer Zone because you ran it. So that And it was all in distance, like a one-mile radius. So we could do all those things. So the kids had a really great beginning. They really had a great... Yeah. I made sure they always had a great life, quite frankly. But Sure. But your world was super small. Super, super small and always hanging on. I, I think um, most of my life, I could say that I was pretty much just hanging on. By a thread. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it was a piece of yarn, but mostly a thread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not, it, it, uh, just always an attempt, you know, mm-hmm. it was just tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no way of thinking any differently. I didn't know how. I didn't have any tools. I was having a lot of faith in God. I was trying to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and the God of your understanding at the time was what, Jesus? Yeah, I went to a Lutheran call. I went to a Lutheran mm. Church. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, God to me was always an understanding. God, I our pastor used to have us over. We would drink before we would go Christmas caroling. Right. I mean, drinking. I don't know. And even in our Catholic church back home, we had Monte Carlo night in the Catholic church in yeah. the basement where you just spin wheels. It was gambling and drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So there was nothing to ever tell me that drinking wasn't wrong. Right. No, for sure. Just yeah, we're not much. Southern Baptists where, you know, right. you don't, you'll, you might smoke cigarettes inside, but you don't drink. Right. Whereas like, a, like I grew up Catholic and Catholicism, that would be such a note. I mean, you drink wine every week in church as the blood of Christ, but it's wine. It's actual right. alcohol. I know. You know, it that alone. Too. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We have, we're just, we're just one, one peg removed from the Catholic church. Okay. Just Martin Luther that moved away from the Catholic church. So, yeah, I mean, alcoholism abounds, right? Like, mm-hmm. so many people every day are falling from that. But, like, me, you know, growing up, it was weird, and it still is weird if you if you don't drink, right? 
Like it's, I'm not surprised your pastor was like, let's drink before celebrating the birth of our Lord. Right. Like it just is what you did. And you would be, you know, you'd be feeling different again and you'd be yet again, the pariah if you chose not to drink, but that was not even on your radar at the time. No, I didn't really, I mean, I knew some people that didn't drink as much as I did, Mm -hmm. but I normally found the people that did drink as much as I did, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But when the kids were little, I was pretty busy, but if I had a chance to drink, I would get blackout, but I, I had a lot of responsibility like you do when you have three little kids. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you're sober now. Mm-hmm. I've been sober for nine years. Mm-hmm. Why did you get sober? Well, um, mostly I was, um, so I had left my second husband, um, that took us to North Carolina and, um, did you leave Wayne in Michigan? I left Wayne and I got divorced in Michigan and he got remarried in Michigan. I got remarried in Michigan and then my new husband and I moved to North Carolina for a new job for him and then Wayne and his wife moved down like within that la- that first year that we got here. Okay. So we all lived down here to be with the kids. Um, I um, got into sales which again it was a really great path for drinking because everything had to do with drinking. Again mm-hmm. you take clients out ev- you sure. know, I was just again um, but I was getting worse. It was starting to get, I was isolating. I was starting, um, my oldest son, Weston had caught me drinking at like seven o'clock in the morning. Um, I was really getting isolated and telling friends things like, oh yeah, I'm making dinner for the kids and I'm doing all these things and I can't see you tonight. Meanwhile, I just, I really wanted to drink by myself. I didn't want to even be around people anymore. And that's where my drinking had led me. My um, oldest, who was 23, kept asking me to please get some help. I went to two meetings um, in AA, I, but it wasn't for me. I left and, and told him, that's really not for me. I'll do better. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he ended up, he had a bad night. Um, he was at a friend's house. They all went out, just had a couple beers, and then he had a fight with an, a girlfriend that they had broken up. Anyway, long story short, he started... He was picked up by a police officer. He was handed a phone by a Shaw University gr- girl. Um, he took. He wouldn't take the phone. He wouldn't call me. I know it was because I was drunk and couldn't get him. But those are things you have to live with. Um, he started walking. So he didn't home. call you. No, he didn't call. Um, he was dropped off at a bus station, and he was by who? The police, the- Raleigh police. And then he ended up walking. Shouldn't the police have taken him and put him in a drunk tank? Right. Well, I looked. I looked into that, mm-hmm. but it, it it wasn't going to be a thing. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't go any further with that. I just, um, anyways, he started walking and he was hit by a car. Through he was thrown ninety seven feet and he was dead on impact. But the car didn't stop and um, we started searching for him a couple days later and um, or a day later and we searched for three days and. His body was found, and uh, I four weeks after that, I did go into count, uh, rehab mm-hmm. because I knew um, I had had suicide attempts, um, two really bad ones in my life, one when I was 25 and one when I was about 46. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 46 one, a suicide attempt I had put me into ICU and also gave me 72 hours of mental health stay. Um, and I knew that I had to be there for these other two boys. So um, I... Did that suicide attempt happen after your, fir- your firstborn's name was Weston, correct? Yes. It happened two years before before he died. In mm. fact, it happened on the exact same day, August 10th. Shut up. Yeah, but 2011. 
Yep. I woke up after taking every single pill. I I was never telling, and this is another great, you know, sheer sign of alcohol, being an alcoholic is, or having problems with alcohol. I, I would go to a doctor and just kept saying how stressed and anxious I was and never giving them how much I was drinking. So I was on like unbelievable amounts of Wellbutin, Klonopin, Lorazepam. So I came home on a blackout and I just took all the pills and I woke up. Mm. So I called my sister. I'm like, oh my God, I woke up. I had to let my ex-husband, the dogs out. So I went to his house. She called an ambulance and I had uh, seizured four times in the ambulance on the way to ICU, to the hospital. Jesus. But I lived. I was in, I was you would have died if you didn't go to the hospital, huh? Well, I, I was intubated and I was, I was also in a coma and in ICU. And the... Strangely enough, when I went to, uh, I used to try to get help for my son that passed away, and the mother that showed up one time in one of those meetings, her son did the same thing that lived behind our house, and he died. He took all her Wellbutrin, woke up, went to the hospital, and he died. Mm. So I couldn't go to that class, because I couldn't face, there was just strange things that happened for quite a long time. You couldn't face... Her talking about how my son is dead. No, you. What do you? What do you mean by that? You well, felt. Just, I what did, were you feeling? I guilt? was like, why? Guilty? Well, yeah. It's almost like, why am I alive? Mm. I I tried so hard to get out of here. Right. My son Weston didn't try. He was very cautious. He was very. My youngest, that's twenty eight now, is the one I always worried about living because he put himself in situations with dirt bikes and right. Uh, adrenaline junkie yeah mm-hmm. and my son Weston was not he was cautious and careful and it was so out of character but what I've learned now is played the what the trombone the violin viola viola played viola and he just he did what I told him to do he did what I asked him to do he, he was a good kid very good boy very good boy I don't even really think he drank or party too much until he went into college he uh that's true yeah he was a really good he was a good soul Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Losing a child is a very tough one. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to live um, your life after that. But I had to. I had the other two. And for once, I wasn't selfish and self-centered and got myself some well-needed help. Um, I went to a rehab for 28 days. So when Weston passed away, was finding him worse than losing, than looking for him or when you were looking for him, was there hope still? No, I knew he was gone. Um, his friend had called and said, I just want to let you know Weston's car is still in front of my mom's house, and uh, we couldn't get a hold of him yesterday. And I started dry heaving, and my son Gavin said, Oh my gosh, Mom, I'm so full of drama. Stop. And I said, Your brother's dead, and he's near the highway somewhere. And I knew it. Wow. So I drank, and I watched it. And it just came from your gut. I knew you just said those, he's I dead and he's by the highway. I knew it. You just knew. Yeah, I knew him like the back of my hand. Jeez. So, so I knew. Uh, we did this big search. The reward went up to $50,000. The camera crews followed us around. We were all over Raleigh. We had crews that were meeting at early morning at um, uh, grocery stores to get together into groups and hand out flyers. Was it like community volunteering? Very much. It was unbelievable how much support and love we had. It was unbelievable. And you knew the whole time he was gone? I knew. I had a little bit of hope once with a homeless man that swore he saw him. Mm -hmm. And and then it was shortly thereafter that the police... One of the um, 
TV crew people called to say, do you know they found a body? And I said, that was when I didn't, I don't know, I kind of had some hope, but anyways, it wasn't. It, That's what he said to you? Yeah, the woman called and said, we found a body. They, mm. the, did you know that the police found a body? And I said, I don't think it's him, though, because this man saw him. Mm. What do you think that was? <clears throat> well, that's a whole nother. <laughs> that's just what I'm learning after death. I think it was his spirit. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I know so. Because this homeless man had his, he did, he had his, um, he had characteristics down. Like Weston, when he would talk and think, he would grab the top of his hair mm -hmm. and he showed Kinda like he would do this do this and yeah. so he uh he, he had was a that down. star he had that down he had the swoop down there's no way you would have known that mm. yeah that's wild it was um and that's i have gone to great lengths to understand where my son is and i think i have a pretty good idea i went into a lot of after death uh books and articles and you know, I went to um, Peru. I did ayahuasca with a shaman. I went to great lengths to find my son to make sure he was okay. And I'm positive he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I had to do that as a mom. Yeah. Sober mom. Because there's a hole in your heart, right? Oh, my gosh. Big hole. And, that, and I had to heal. You know, you can't. That whole thing about flight attendants. I was a flight attendant. You know, you have to put your air mask on before you help others. You have to get okay before you can help anybody else. Mm -hmm. You have to. Yeah. You have to heal somehow, some way. Yeah. So. So where do you think he is? Well, I just know that we are energy, and we are energy that continues on, mm -hmm. as a body that you see, or when our souls leave our bodies, right? Yeah. And um. And I just believe we're constant. We're in action. Mm -hmm. It's energy. Mm -hmm. So the self will we have continues on. And our self-will is, um, however you use it here, I just feel like we're here to get brighter and brighter if we choose, darker and darker if we choose. It's free mm. will. Mm. I choose to get brighter and brighter, and, um, and when I pass on, I'll just continue on. But everything we do here to help one another, be there for one another, forgive one another, understand one another, and who does that perfect? Nobody, but... Um, that just continues on too. It's just, it's beautiful. That's beautiful energy. So, yeah. Yeah. I know that to be true. And would you have come to any of this before your son tragically died? I was always trying to. Mm. I was always trying to be spiritual. I came from the hippie, you know, my sister was, you know, the hippie generation. And um, so I wanted to do these cool things, you know. Um, <laughs> but inside, yeah. no. You know mm. what I mean? And so sure. you decorate the outside. I am not. A, I am very uncool, actually, inside. <laughs> yeah, I want I'm yeah. very unchill. <laughs> yeah, but look at yeah. me on the outside. Don't I look like I couldn't it? care less. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm aloof. so cool. Yeah, aloof. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very, yeah. But drugs and alcohol I always had to take me to that place. I sure. couldn't. I would not be there on my own. It had to come from drinking. Um, I loved cocaine, and I loved um, doing mushrooms and... Um, yeah, and that was all cool spiritual stuff. Same right? sister. Yeah, but it uh, on my own, no. I've noticed that I can get maybe not full-blown, like, intoxicated like you would with some mushrooms or cocaine or any sort of mind and mood-altering substance, as they say. But I can get there with, like, meditation, and I can get there with, um, which is not the intent, but if I'm 
really on the beam in the sense that I am trying my best to, to trust as best I can, even in, in light of terrible things happening. I can eventually get to this place where I feel as zen or as cool or as present as I thought I was feeling when I was under the influence of drugs. Oh, absolutely. Like, life will continue to knock you on your ass. Mm. You know, after Weston died, I thought, okay, that, this is this has got to be it for a while. Sure. And then my mom passed a year later, and then my dad had a stroke, then he fell and broke his hip, and then he ended up with four-stage lung cancer. Jesus. So my, yeah, for like five straight years, I, um, I used to just lay on the ground and be like, just give me five minutes before the next freaking thing hits. And I remain, I re- remained sober, but I, I, um, I wasn't, wasn't doing better inside for a pretty long time. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of grief. Um, and what does grief really look like for you? What did it look like in the, in the just aftermath? Just such a sadness. Like you could, I used to be able to stare out a window for an, an entire week. Just, wow. I had a Labrador retriever and I'm telling you, it's the things, if you're paying attention that really are there for you. I had a black lab and he sat by my side and I had to take him for a walk. Mm-hmm. And then we found a pond and then I'd sit at this pond and then I'd start writing to Weston. I stayed by myself. I, um, I had to be, it went the way it went. I didn't know how to do it, but your life will go the way it's supposed to go. If you just pay a little bit of attention and you listen to your body yeah. And I've really learned to pray and meditate as well. And that's kind of what leads me now. And to pause, you know, let some stuff go for a little bit. You don't have to figure it out. Wait till tomorrow. Mm. And not act on every little thing. Um, Compulsion. Mm-hmm. Anger. Yeah. Yeah. Very impulsive person. And I always was. I, I had a motor inside that ran on a really high frequency. Mm-hmm. And um, trauma, you know. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's, it's on yeah I read somewhere that anything that is not when you are a child or if you are um, dependent in any way on someone else to take care of you physically emotionally shelter food anything like that um, to survive anything that is not nurturing is traumatic to a child oh absolutely so this is not neutrality we're talking here this is but nurturing, which is a very specific kind of love, right? Right. I, I want to take care of you, nurture you, make you feel safe, you know, give of myself to provide for you because you have basic needs. That is nurturing, right? Right. So anything that's beyond that in a negative sense is traumatic to a child. So, you know, if you had a childhood, you have had trauma, period, right? Correct. Everybody. Yeah, of course. Un, unhealed, unperf- imperfect adults are trying their best, right? Well, it goes back to what you said, right? So you said it's about um, everyone trying to do their best. I was always mad at my mom. I'm not at all anymore mad at my mom. She had an alcoholic father mm-hmm. who kicked her out of the house because she graduated summa cum laude. He, when she got home, all her stuff was thrown in the front yard. Because it wasn't magna cum laude or what? I, I, I don't he, know which is which. He quit school in seventh grade. But he was a genius, but he drank himself to death, you know? And mm. so she was raised by an alcoholic. Sure. She was, a, she never drank. Right. She was just, um, she just showed all the signs of being, you know, having problems being an alcoholic. Um, but I, yeah. I don't know. 
she tried her best. You know, yeah. talk about nurture. I always had, and that was the thing. You had a roof over your head. You had food on the table. Mm-hmm. You had clothes on your back. You, you know, and she did. She provided those things for sure. sure. For sure she did. Yeah. She didn't know where I came from. She took piano lessons. She accompanied the orchestra. She was very accomplished. Yeah. She didn't understand what was going on with me. She didn't. Yeah. Why can't you do more different? Or she just didn't understand. It's like yeah. that wasn't her world. Sure. She found a pipe in my room once and took it to the police station Jesus. and had them scrape it. What? She thought I was smoking tobacco. Oh, no. She never knew anything about drugs or alcohol or anything. Man, yeah. lots of narking going on. Yeah, big narking. Yee. Mom narking. Got to bounce out of that quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so you had a really horrific loss of a child. Yes, very, very traumatic. It's hard to get worse than that. <laughs> oh, but it does. No. I I yeah, I the other two boys have struggled like crazy. Um my middle son did a lot with he said he got counseling in that when he was in college. Um he has a big belief in the Tao and Buddhism and I think he he does pretty well. My youngest son is a lot like me and uh ha, he struggled. Uh he has a rod in his leg for the rest of his life from one blackout. He fell out of a car while it was driving. He had a lot of emotional problems. This is post Weston dying. Well, he was before that because he was still very sad about the divorce with his dad. Mm. And his dad was never available for him. So he mm. had dad issues himself. Then he has his brother issues. Um, sure, of course. Yeah, so I'm glad I did what I did. I just stayed sober. I stayed present. I stayed right there. And yeah. um, that's all you can really do because words do not teach. And I had to live a life that they could see uh, working. Mm-hmm. And I was called crazy once by my middle son. And I said, no, I used to be crazy. I'm not that anymore. And I'd really appreciate it if you don't say that anymore. And um, and he respected that. And we have a really good relationship. That's really beautiful. You have to have boundaries. I didn't even know. I never even knew what that meant. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And advocate for yourself. You have to. Yeah, You're totally. the only one. Got to. Yeah. So what does your life look like now? Well, um, my youngest son has a grand, uh, a baby and my grandson. And it didn't work out with him and his girlfriend up in Pittsburgh. But I have the beauty of that. I had breast cancer um, last year. What? I had. Yeah. I. Um, so hold on. Weston... Your mom, your dad, and then you get breast cancer. <laughs> oh, your son falling out of a car. Oh, he just—he didn't just fall out of a car. I mean, he brought, he was brought home by three police cars one time um, after that in handcuffs, and then proceeded to try to throw all the furniture out the front window. My hmm. theme is furniture going out my yeah, window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nice. there's I'm, a repeating pattern. I'm, I'm noticing. telling you, the universe will keep throwing things, the same things at you, out the window. Yeah. And so we had to tackle him till about five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he went to a little rehab stint too. I think it's hard for guys, right? I mean, he doesn't know how to. They don't know how to not, communicate yep. their feelings. They're not well. They're not socialized to do that. I think it's getting much better. Yes, a lot better than it used to be. Thank God. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I found a lump. I mean, my port was still oozing from the surgery of putting my port in, and they were clicking me into chemo. It was a very aggressive uh, HERS-2 triple negative breast cancer that they had to get going with very, very quickly. And, God. Mm-hmm. Thank God. 
Yeah. So it was 20 weeks of chemo, double mastectomy. And when was this? Um, last surgery was last September. Not September as in this last September. So about a year and a half ago. Okay. But it all was started. was your last surgery? My last surgery. But it all started when? Um, I found a lump in January of 2021. Mm-hmm. And so starting in February. It was the end of January, so... So still February. pandemic. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and um, I never got COVID. I... Uh, Thank God. I know, because there was one time when my blood count, the white blood cells were so low they couldn't do chemo. Only one. I had 20 weeks of chemo, and one week I had to skip because he was afraid to do it. So that's... Uh, because of your white blood cell count. Yeah. But otherwise, he said I was such a trooper that his 30-year-olds, he was putting into hospitals and he couldn't believe that I would show up every day like every week just I don't know I just think it's God I I have a lot of faith in a higher power I I, I don't so so you grew yeah. up Catholic with Lutheran kind of sprinkled in and then no Lutheran Lutheran but Catholics were everywhere we were called heathens it was Catholics versus heathens the football players the, the Protestant schools yeah call this yes heathens yeah we were heathens I mean like I said I was raised Catholic but I definitely have some like cocksureness about that oh yeah like, there's like oh you know it is you're it, giving we're that. on 2022 years you know like yeah. there's definitely pieces of like catholics and then the rest of us absolutely that's sure how, yeah that's how sure. it was i grew mm-hmm. up um we were the 10 percent mm-hmm. all my friends still are the- well the conflict in ireland obviously is yeah still going on yeah and that's all catholics versus protestants exactly too. or heathens if you want to mm-hmm I think they're all heathens. I do too. So what is your God of your understanding now? Um, Just a beautiful, loving, kind, understanding, bright, beautiful light that's energy. And that loves all of us so much. And we make it difficult. But it's okay because we have the free will to keep figuring it out. Using the tools. The Mm -hmm. tools that you're given. Letting go. Letting God. I mean, you know. It all makes more sense. And there's more to come. You know, there's going to be more shit storms. I know that. It's okay, though. I I know how to handle them. I reach out. I know how. Mm-hmm. I don't want a pill or a drug or this or that. I want to go into nature. Yeah. I want to get quiet. Mm, go um, inward. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't need to go. I don't need to do any of those things. And I think that's what saved me with the chemo. I really, I had a great oncologist, but I didn't get sick. I felt peaceful. I felt like if it's time, it's time. I have one on the other side and two over here. Either yeah. either side, I'm okay. Right. You know? Yeah. Anyway. But my God and my understanding is um has a lot to do with me too. And um you know, it's if if, if you're a parent, you have part of yourself in that person. So we are kind of godish. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. God in me Care. recognizes the God in you, and that's that's what namaste even means. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would be as free mentally, emotionally, and spiritually if your son hadn't passed away? No, not at all. He wanted me to get to this point. He's like my little mini Jesus. Um, I believe he <laughs> served. I believe in some. I believe in some before before you're born kind of little agreements. I do for sure. Soul path, soul contract. Yeah, I do. I believe that we have a little contract. I believe he wanted to get me better. I completely understand where he was at with that. This mm-hmm. was too way way. Everyone that knew him, this is so out of touch of who he was to even mm-hmm. die this way. He should have. He should have been the kind of kid that saved a whole family from a burning fire. That's the kind of person he was. 
And he did in a way, right? He saved his mama. He loved his mama. And some other folks you mentioned before we started yes. recording have gotten sober. A lot, a lot, his friends have gotten sober. His brothers are doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know? And God knows what onslaught of horrendous, you know, destruction and death would have happened. Yeah. He kind of, without even realizing it, like sacrificed himself for the people he loved in a way. I think so. I think he would have been, he was that kind of person. Oh, yeah. And would never have wanted attention for any of it. He wasn't, some of the things he did when he was younger, I, I remember meeting, you know, his friends, he only lived to be 23, but I would say, did, did you know he went to the BET Awards? Did you know he read, walked the red <laughs> carpet and he was at the American Music Awards because he produced music for a ton of rappers. Yeah. They come in from New York City. He was on the Judge Alex show when he was 16 and they're like, and no one knew. He never talked about himself. Really. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Strange, but he was loved. Mm. Yeah, he was very loved, and that love echoes back into your life now. Oh yeah, he he meant so much. He would, but he would always say, "You had me up on this pedestal. I'm not that great, but I did. I don't know." And I catch myself now with my grandson because I'm already doing that with him. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I I know I didn't damage. I mean, I just loved him too much. Mm -hmm. I loved him too much, but that's not a bad thing. I don't know if that's a thing. Nah." I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe I like triple loved him because I didn't get to see him. <laughs> mm -hmm. I only got to have him till 23. Right. Maybe. Without knowing it, right? Don't know. There's a lot of woo-woo going on here. I believe so. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I watch it come back. And I say woo-woo not flippantly at all. No. No, I'm... not at all. I'd say, call it whatever you want. It's, it's beautiful. It's poetry. Yeah. 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 It's poetry. Mm -hmm. Becky... It's been incendiary having you on today. Thank you. I love you guys. I love you so much. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Talking about life after loss. Mm -hmm. Before I let you guys go, we're going to do five minutes of meditation here in a second. Um, and there'll be some outro music kind of for you to, those of you who don't want to sit in silence and go inward, totally understand I've been there. Um, so we'll we'll give you the opportunity to kind of go to another podcast or just, you know, get some silent time. That's fine. Um, before we meditate, but Becky, before we started recording today, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, um, your current experience with your farm. Hmm. Yeah. I wanted to have a, um, <clears throat> healing farm and I didn't manifest exactly what I wanted, but I do have, I but found... maybe what you needed. Yeah. What I needed. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, I met a guy and he, adores me and he was like let me go see that farm because i'm a real estate agent I'm like i've been praying over this farm i've been praying over this farm it's mm -hmm. so beautiful he goes well let's take a look and he walked onto it and he's like gotta have it so anyway we got we we got two horses <laughs> when we moved in we moved in in september um for christmas some girls like diamonds i like cows i have two cows amen we have three farm cats and i'm gonna try to talk them into um this dog that needs a home right now I think she'll be able to do it. What do you guys think? <laughs> if you guys have any questions for Becky, you are more than welcome to um, submit them. You could either DM me. Um, my Instagram is whatever works, W Jasmine, uh, whatever works with Jasmine. Um, and, and you're more than welcome to submit any questions or, you know, follow up stuff for Becky. Um, again, if you, if you like what you heard today, guys, um, be sure to, to like, follow, subscribe, 
share it. Um, we're going to meditate for five minutes and um, I hope you guys enjoyed the, the story today. Bye. to the meditation segment of whatever works you're here because you're like me and you love to meditate it's your lifeline to source energy it helps you be in the world it calms you anytime Or maybe you're new and you're trying something different. Either way, I'm so proud of you. Meditation is an important part of my daily practice and I hope it becomes part of yours. Buddha is attributed to a quote. He was asked, Buddha, what do you gain from meditation? And he said, nothing. But I have lost anger, resentment, worry, anxiety, and fear. Today, we are going to explore a technique called box breathing. It will balance your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, the whole system. Box breathing is a great way to restart your day or start your day anytime. Meditation gives you that freedom. Box breathing has helped me tremendously, especially when I'm experiencing PTSD or having a panic attack. It's also great when things are awesome too. This is just one of the techniques we'll cover while we discover whatever works. Get in a comfortable position, seated or lying down. You're going to breathe in for four seconds, equally hold our breath for four seconds and out for four. Try your best to go inward, being as present in your body as you can. It is not easy to be alone with your thoughts or still in your body. grateful for you. Check in and notice what you're feeling and how you're feeling. Can being with yourself just be enough for now? Try. When thoughts come in, thank them for their service and let them fly away. Give yourself some grace for today, right now. Let's try it. 
Breathe in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Breathe in, two, Breathe out, two, three, four, breathe in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, breathe out. Breathe in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, flow with me in this cadence, breathe in, two, Three and hold breathe out breathe in and hold Breathe out. Breathe in. And hold. Breathe out. Breathe in. And hold. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. And hold. Breathe out. Wiggle your fingers and toes. When you're comfortable and ready, open your eyes. Take in your room. Be back in your body. Notice your body again. Is anything different? Are you a little more calm? A little more at peace. 
Try not to judge yourself and how your experience went. Remember that meditation is a practice. You will only get better with time. I'm Jasmine MacDonald. This is Whatever Works. I'll see you all next time.